Hello there, folks. Kevin here. Thanks for tuning in. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sound and head on over to our Instagram, Film Friday Podcast. Give it a like, a follow, and, you know, maybe share it with your friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Film Friday. We have a special episode this week. This week I'm going to have a look at the Justice League Snyder Cut. We were supposed to have a guest on this week, but unfortunately they had to pull out. So uh, as a last minute resort of an episode, uh, basically last night was when the Snyder Cut, the Justice League, was released. And I thought, well, that might be an interesting subject to talk about. For those of you who do not know anything about this or are completely unaware about superheroes and all that movie genre, yeah, this podcast might not seem like, or this episode might not seem like a big appeal to you. Um, The reason why I wanted to chat about it is just because I think it goes beyond just... uh, a remake of a superhero movie. Um, It actually, I think, has big ramifications if it is successful for, you know, potential future remakes or releases or director's cuts. So I'm actually going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to dive into the history of the Snyder Cut from what I know. Um, Warning, it might not all be 100% accurate. I spent most of the morning researching it. I had a fairly good idea what what happened beforehand, but I've spent the majority of the morning just researching it, trying to make sure that my facts are okay and everything's right. So I'm going to dive in, tell you a little story of how we ended up with this extremely long superhero movie. And then I'm going to give, I suppose, something that I don't really do here on the podcast, but a little review because I sat down last night and I watched it, um, all four hours of it. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. Um, yeah. So let's hop straight into it. So in case you don't know, um, there are two big superhero um, producing movie companies going so you got Marvel on one hand. Um, I haven't been shy about sharing my love of Marvel on this podcast. I think they're brilliant. I think they got some hit or miss movies. But um, they have planned movies ahead in like a way that nobody has ever done. They created a shared universe that nobody has ever done. 20 four movies with Black Widow coming out like in two months all connected majority of them pretty good um it's brilliant i think it's it's basically just taking comic books and turning them into movies um which is exactly what people want and fans want well comic book fans want like myself so then on the other side of that you have DC 
So basically back in 2008, when Iron Man first came out, this was like, Iron Man is part of the um, Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this was like the first test for Marvel film. Like, you know, they're like, all right, we're releasing this. It has some nods to other um, movies and other tie-ins. And basically what we want to do is make this so good that we can use this as a launch pad for our universe. In that same year, it was 2008, um, The Dark Knight um, was released. Most people know The Dark Knight. It was Christopher Nolan's epic in his trilogy, probably his best one. It had Heath Ledger as the Joker, probably now the most famous recognizable person or role or not role, um, what's the word I'm looking for, um, version of the Joker for most average people. So I had both of those combined against each or fighting against each other for like superhero movie that year. I think because they were out in different windows, they were both very successful. Obviously, The Dark Knight was much more um, successful. I don't know money-wise, but like Oscar-wise and critically acclaimed-wise and like it'll go down as like general moviegoers will remember that as like a classic. Iron Man, really good. Um, But, you know, an average moviegoer isn't going to think that that's a... A classic. I don't. I don't think anybody would like rate it on the same level as the Dark Knight because they're just different. You know, it's like chalk and cheese. Um. So yeah, both of them came out, and obviously, oh, sorry, get me going on silent. Oh, and by the way, this is going to be a unedited version of the podcast, just because I'm recording on a Friday and releasing on a Friday. So there you go. So, yeah, that Marvel had started planning their connected universe. But DC were still in the middle of um, this Nolan trilogy. Like, obviously, they had plans. They were like, oh, well, Nolan's going to do a third one. And I don't think they were really in the mindset of a connective movie universe, whereas this was Marvel's goal. So then skip year, skip forward a couple of years later, um, Marvel had released a few more connected movies and they were all fairly successful. And, uh, you know, uh, okay, they weren't all super successful, but people went to see them. You know, people, the buzz had started going that all these movies are connected. Oh, shit, they have something to do with each other. Um, Same characters. Whereas DC were kind of left scrambling. You know, Nolan had finished The Dark Knight Rises. He, I don't know, like Nolan has never really been super interested in doing a connective universe. So, you know, they didn't really know what to do. I think I think they were kind of scratching their heads. They were like, yeah, we want to get into this too. But Marvel had already had like a leg up on them. Like they did so many steps ahead of them. Just in planning wise. So what happened was um, DC tried to speed run, basically, uh, and catch up with Marvel. They released uh, a Green Lantern movie in this time. In case you don't know, it's this, uh, it's kind of an infamous movie that's not that good. Uh, upon rewatching it, like it's on par with like 
Thor or a Marvel movie, a lower quality Marvel movie, but yeah, it's just not that great. So DC were basically trying to plan, like, we need a connective universe. We need, we need to do this. We need to, like, basically catch up with what Marvel were doing because at this stage, I think it was 2012 when um, Whedon, uh, Joss Whedon, um, directed the Avengers, which was a combination of all the Marvel superheroes, and it was a huge fucking success. He made a bunch of money and made made Marvel a staple. And people were like, shit, this is huge. Like, when are we going to get the next one? They're all connected. I loved it. So DC wanted to get their Marvel Cinematic Universe or DC Cinematic Universe rolling. So they the following year, they released Man of Steel, which was a reboot of the Superman um, movies or series. And they got Zack Snyder in to direct there. Zack Snyder had, has an interesting career in the sense that he creates movies that are super stylized, but often very popular. Um, he did 300, the remake of uh, Dawn of the Dead. He did Watchmen, which was a bit mad. Um, he did Sucker Punch, which was shit. But, you know, he he had a very stylistic view and I think he was he's a crowd pleaser. Like, you know, people really like his shit. I think personally when they did that and they got Zack Snyder, I was like, yeah, you know, he's a very divisive director in what I think. Like, you know, people either really like him or really don't like him. It's never really middle ground with him. But anyway, they got Zack Snyder in and he was doing his version of Man of Steel which released a year after Avengers. So basically, you're thinking, okay, Marvel have already have their full team up. Um, they all have their individual movies setting them up. And now, here you have DC, a year later, trying to start theirs. So they were a foot behind from the beginning. And, like, you know, I read interviews and all this shit about like what um like dc saying no we're doing our own thing we're doing our own thing but it was bullshit you know they seen that marvel were making a bunch of money and they were like i want to make all that money too so we got to get in this so basically um they tried to deal with superman what they did with iron man and marvel have little connective things but still try and have a good film now um excuse me man of steel was good it was a good flick. I enjoyed it. I mean, looking back, it's on par with Iron Man. It's a very different style. You know, it's it's realistic. It's it's grounded. Like Marvel movies and Iron Man kind of have a bit more tongue in cheek, um, comedy, lightheartedness, but like still, like much more comicy. Um, yeah, DC and Superman tried to be like grounded and dark and real. Um, and you might be thinking, like, what are you talking about? Why am I on this big tangent? But I think to best understand the the effect of all of it, I wanted to go back and really dive into the history of it. Because at the end of the day, a lot of it comes to these two studios going at each other and trying to compete with each other. Because after he released the... um. 
Superman, Man of Steel. I think two years later, um, they wanted to release Batman versus Superman. So what you're going for here is that from Marvel, who have each of their own superhero release, like their own little movie to introduce them. But DC are trying to catch up. So they don't really have time. Like they don't want to spend the next five years trying to catch up and trying to do a new Batman, do a new Flash, do a new Aquaman. So DC put in a plan to like, okay, well, we're going to have our Justice League, which is basically the Avengers. Um, we're going to have that first and then we're going to do spin-off movies. So we're going to use this movie to introduce all of them and then that's going to lead us to our big, our, to our individual movies. So basically they handed the reins over to Zack Snyder who made a five film plan. So starting with Man of Steel, then went on the Batman versus Superman, then it would be Justice League 1 and 2 and then I think he was going to do something else to end it all or something. I don't know. I guess we'll never know or we might find out. You never know. But basically Batman versus Superman wasn't great. There was a lot of backlash from fans and the studios just wasn't happy. Like it made an okay amount of money, but it just it just wasn't on par with Marvel. Like for the love, like the pure devotion, like the majority, I'd say 80% of people who see Marvel movies love them. I think it was like 50% of like people that seen Batman versus Superman like liked it. And I, yeah, I didn't really like it myself. It's too dark. Dark, I know some people like that. It's, it takes itself really seriously. It just, it has a lot of plot holes and it just doesn't mash well together and everything I feel is really rushed. It introduces Batman, it introduces Wonder Woman, it tries to introduce Lex Luthor, like it it tries to cram all this crazy shit into one two and a half hour movie. And it just doesn't work. Um but they were given Zack Snyder, like, you know, they're like, you have reins, this is your universe now. So they'd already put him in charge. Basically, what happened was the studio were worried. So they had already made these deals with Zack, being like, okay, you're going to make all these movies. Yeah, great. But when Batman versus Superman came out, eh, they panicked. They were worried. So... Zack was already going in to make Justice League, but the studios were like, fuck, like, people didn't like this. We're not making nearly as much movie or money as our competitors. So they were worried initially going in to um, Justice League. So they went in and anyway, and Zack started filming and he wrote it, he had it all planned out, his like three film arc. And Basically, then going in, tragedy kind of struck Zack Snyder's uh, family as personal life. Unfortunately, uh, his daughter she killed herself, committed suicide, and obviously, um, you know, he had to step away. Him and his wife, um, I think her name is Deborah, Deborah Snyder, 
they had both she produces a lot of his movies so she was heavily involved in Justice League and all of the Superman and Superman versus Batman so obviously both of them just needed to take a step away like understandably I think her her daughter was in college and she just suffered with depression her entire life so they stepped away and then you know you would think that studios would be like oh we'll postpone this but and we'll like give you a break, like we'll we'll figure something out. But they were probably three quarters of the way through shooting. And the studio were just like, Yeah, we'll just get somebody else in and finish it. If that sounds heartless, it kinda is. It kinda shows you what big studios are. And I'm not just like trying to say so the big studio that would have planned this is behind DC is Warner Brothers. And I'm not just trying to say that like, oh, Marvel Studios are better than Warner Brothers. Um, I'm sure Marvel, if the situation that happens, would have done the same thing. You know, these big movie companies, they want money. They put a lot of money into this. And, you know, they're like, well, we're putting millions and millions on you. And we need a return. So we're going to release this movie when it's going to be released. And we're just going to get somebody else in to finish it. Now, before that horrible, tragic event happened in Zach's life, um, from what I was reading today and what I was I was aware of when this whole thing was happening, the studio were already kind of like trying to change Zach's film. Um, so they were coming in being like, can you make it more funny? Can you make it more lighter? Basically, we want you to make it more like Marvel. Um, it didn't work with Batman versus Superman. We want you to do this. We want you to make this, change that, blah, 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 blah. Um, from what I've read, Zack Snyder didn't mind it too much. You know, he just kind of kept doing his own thing. But Warner Brothers had basically brought in Joss Whedon. So I mentioned Joss Whedon earlier, and he was the man that directed both Avengers, the first Avengers, and uh, the Avengers, the second one, Age of Ultron, and he directed them very well. He uh, he, he he's a good ensemble ensemble. Uh, I think I'm saying that right, or am I saying that wrong? Whatever. Um, director, he's great at directing big groups. Um, he's done Buffy the Vampire Slayer, he's done Firefly, different shows, but he did well. He wrote, wrote and directed both of the Avengers. And obviously Warner Brothers are looking at that and being like, yeah, we want that. He gave both those movies broke a billion easily. Maybe if we bring him in and he can start advising on some stuff. So they had already wanted to bring Joss in because they wanted him to work on a Batgirl movie um, separately. So they had him in already and they were... He was helping Zach, I think, on one or two things. I don't really know the extension of that, um, of what he was actually doing. But I know is that when Zach left, they had him there ready. So Zach left and Joss came in. Basically rewriting the entire script that Zach had, um, changing it, cha- adding new scenes, taking parts out making a new movie which is kind of hard to do when 
you know, 75% of the movie is shot. So, you know, it's, it's trying to mix two different things in that just don't really work. Um, and the results showed, like, Justice League, the Joss Whedon Justice League is, is not a good movie. <laughs> it's terribly paced, the characters plot holes, you don't understand why characters are doing stuff, they try to be funny when it's not funny, it's, there's certain scenes that are dark, there's certain scenes that are really light, it's a weird mix match like you can see that it's two directors shooting two very different things that have just been combined together in this weird frankenstein kind of thing and it just didn't work and that showed in the returns like look it by no means did horribly but it made like 637 million which is a lot of fucking money but if you think the amount of money that it costs to make it and like you're going against your big get together superhero team up is going against the Avengers which breaks a billion you're not going to be happy with it and they weren't but they were just like yeah this is it now that's just our Justice League and we're going to move swiftly on they cancelled plans for Justice League 2 um, Ben Affleck left the role as Batman um, and they released the Wonder Woman movie that was pretty successful um, they released Aquaman was really successful but people just weren't happy mainly fans you know um, it just as soon as the film released it, this movement just started this release the Snyder Cut it's like Zack Snyder has always had these extremely extremely devoted fans that think he's a visionary that think he's amazing that think he's anything he does is gold don't get me wrong I think he, he when he has his good days he's really good I'm not a biggest fan of his DC movies. I like The Man of Steel. I like 300. Um, I don't like Sucker Punch. But, like, you know, I think he's good. But people are ride or die. Love him. So when the 2017 version of Justice League came out, this um, movement released the Snyder Cut just started taking up momentum. So for anybody who doesn't know... When you say release the Snyder Cut, it's basically Zack Snyder's version of the movie. Now, so this this movement started off small, but, you know, the Warner Brothers, the company, big company, was like, there is no Snyder Cut. Um, like, you know, we used all the footage that he shot. There's no, like, secret movie here. There's nothing. Like, you know, you can keep asking, but we don't have anything. Which is understandable. They're trying to save face, you know. They don't want to seem like the assholes. But clearly there was two very different movies combined together. Zack then 
was dealing with his own family stuff, obviously. So I don't think he, in the first while, he really like got involved in it. He didn't really push it. He just he thanked fans and he was like, "Thank you. We're dealing with our own stuff here." Um, a really good thing that came from the release, the Snyder Cut thing, is that they start re- the fans themselves start doing uh, trying to raise money for suicide prevention. Um, they raise a lot of money um they raised let me find out how much they raised actually they raised 600,000 to this point for suicide awareness which is really amazing you know when you think about it like it's brilliant it's a good like I think that was one of the things that made Zack Snyder like help or like fuel the Snyder cut like you know this movement well that um, you know obviously he was probably happy to make his own film as well you know all the hard work he'd put in so after years like three years of just pushing pushing like the studio just kept saying no 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 we don't have it and like this movement really really got going like they had a billboard in um new york um nye square like you know um they really pushed the shit <laughs> which is great you know it's just fans being being fans just really being like we want this we know it's there give it to us obviously there was a dark side to the fandom as there is when it's any passionate fan you know attacking people online being aggressive you know there was a misogynistic side of the snyder cut um that of just like attacking people uh which you know is disgusting but i'd like to say that the majority of the fans of the movement were good people um you know, they raised a lot of money for that great cause. And, you know, they were just devoted fans of a movie. <laughs> so, they kept pushing. And the studio just kept saying no, 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 no. But eventually, as time went on, um, Zack Snyder started feeding the movement a little bit. He started releasing stuff on Twitter, little tidbits like... A photo I've never seen before. Like, I have this here. Blah, 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 blah. And then... Basically, some actors start coming out. So one of the actors... Like, the actors in the film. One of the actors in the film... His name is Ray Fisher. He plays Cyborg. And... This was like his first big cinematic role breakout. He was a Broadway um, star, I'm fairly sure. And Zack Snyder specifically picked him for the role of Cyborg. Big role. Um, A lot of people from DC fans, like I know it a lot from growing up watching Teen Titans, a cartoon. So a, a big generation knows who Cyborg is. So it was a big role. And in Zack Snyder's version, he was basically the heart of the movie. He was, uh, he was a much bigger role. When Joss came in, he, and I'm going to try and look at this, it's hard now because of recent things that have come out about 
everything going on behind the scenes with Joss Whedon's filming. But I'm going to look at it in two parts. Um, so the first part, I'm going to look at it as just like purely filming. Um, so no personality, no nothing. It's a hard job. I can imagine going into a film that's majority like already done and then you have this big company being like, we want this to feel a different way than what's already been shot. So we want you to do that. And also the other director wanted to make this like over three hours. We want to make this two hours, two hours and 20 minutes max. So basically he's been giving this tiny, tiny, tiny time frame um, to rewrite, reshoot and retheme an entire film. So it's not easy, you know, it's not easy to do this, do this thing when like make a film of this scale when the studio's behind you, let alone when they're giving you orders and you're, you already have a bunch of shit that's already shot. Like, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. And for a while, I don't think anybody really blamed Joss for it, Joss Whedon, um, he kind of went unspoken about it. He didn't really talk that much about it. It just got released. And things were quiet. Apart from like the release of the Snyder Cut. Like things were quiet about Joss Whedon. Um, and then Ray Fisher. So this is the other side of it. Um, things start coming out. Ray Fisher, cyborg actor, was basically saying... I don't, he started off small being like, things on set weren't good. Like, I was very uncomfortable on set. My entire part was destroyed, was cut out of the movie. I only went on the publicity stunts of like saying, no, the film's going to be great, it's going to be good, because they all did that. Like, when Joss took over, he was like, yeah, we're all happy with Joss taking over, it's still going to be great. He was basically saying he only did that because he was told to in his contract and that there was a lot of alleged abuse on set and it was a toxic working um, environment. Now, I don't want to say too much. Obviously, nobody really important listens to this, so like I'm not going to get sued, <laughs> but it's still ongoing. You know, Ray Fisher is still like pushing this. Like, So the more time that went on and the more power that the Snyder Cut got um, the more Ray was bringing forward his issues he actually took up like a legal thing with it um, I don't know if it's still going I don't know what I think it's outside people came in to investigate and they said they didn't find much but then all this other shit started coming out about um, Gal Gadot was saying she wasn't really happy with things that were happening on the set um, Aquaman, what's his name? Jason Momoa basically backed up Ray, being like, Yeah, I've seen the Snyder cut. <laughs> um, and like, you know, I'm backing up um, Ray. And then just recently, um, all this other stuff has been coming out about Joss Whedon, like about past shows he's walked on, people coming out being like, Yeah, it was a, he's a bully on set, he's it's a toxic environment. He, he's just not a nice person. Um, he has yet to come out and, you know, put any comments on this. So I don't know. It's still currently gone ongoing, but 
basically right now, Joss Whedon is not the most loved person on the internet. <laughs> um, so the movement kept pushing. And Zack Snyder kept feeding it, you know, little bits, little photos here, little things there. Um, and, you know, studios kept saying, no, it's not going to be a thing. It's, it didn't seem feasible. Like, in a real world situation, why would they release, why would they put money into another film and then, like, re-release it? This basically a different version of the same film in the cinemas again. I guess there's a fear of just like confusing the general public, which it would. Um, I, you know, people that aren't that into fucking the movie hero, superhero going on, they'd be like, didn't we already get this film? I'm not going to go pay for this again. You know, it, it was tainted. It's a, they know it's not good. They know that they've seen a version of it that's not good. It's shit. Why would they spend money on it again? So, I I was a fan of the the movement, like more so in the sense that I was interested in seeing what more he could possibly fucking do. Like you know, you can't really polish a turd, as they say. But you know, I was interested. Like you know, I like things on Twitter. I was like, yeah, cool. I'd love to see it. Then one by one, like the movement started to try and push these events. And yeah, one by one last year, each actor posted, like each actor like of the Justice League. So Ben Affleck, um, Gal Gadot, Jason Momoa, Ezra Miller, um, Ray Fisher, and finally Henry Cavill posted pictures of Zack Snyder's um, Justice League. Um photos from that being like release the Snyder Cut I support releasing the Snyder Cut so from my understanding when it was really starting to garner movement Warner Brothers came to Zack and was like okay look we're getting a lot of backlash for fans there's a lot of pressure they knew that he had a laptop with his cut on it um, the special effects weren't finished. So, and there was a lot of editing that wasn't done. It was just a very rough cut. Like, you know, when I say rough cut, like no CGI. Um, And it's a film that has a lot of CGI. And they were like, okay, we want to release this. Um, Can we just like release what you have there? And Zack Snyder was like, no fucking way. He said no because in an interview I read this morning, he said, there's three reasons why I'm basically saying no. Um, I mean, to remember what I think they were like, one was like, basically you only want this because fans are on your back. Uh, number two, you want to be able to point at this and be like, Hey, look, it's not that much better because it's not a finished product. And then three, there's like, you basically don't want to seem like the bad guys because you guys were arseholes to me and my family so I think he effectively just told them to like fuck off <laughs> but what was happening then was that streaming services were becoming huge so obviously you have like in the singular podcast that I did 
two weeks ago, just talking about streaming services and how they're so big and they're a huge impact now. HBO and Warner Brothers are trying. We're trying to get into this. They they dabbled a little with like this thing called the DC Extended Universe, where it would have all the DC stuff. But Warner Brothers were like, "No, we're just gonna make this new thing. It's called HBO Max." Now, for those of you in Ireland, um, everything that you find on HBO Max will be on Now TV, and in Canada, it's on Crave. Uh, HBO Max is just at the moment in America. But it's basically all of Warner Brothers films and HBO things, um, Sopranos, Breaking Bad, not Breaking Bad, it's not Breaking Bad's AMC, sorry. The Sopranos, The Wire, um, Lovecraft Country, big, all that big shit. Um, but they wanted to put like all the DC stuff on that as well. So when they found out that this was a thing, big rumbling started coming out about well, why don't they just put it on HBO Max? You're going to get a lot of people signing up for that service if you have the Snyder Cut on it. And sure enough, yeah, that's what they did. Basically, they went to Zach and they were like, okay, how much money is it going to take? So they paid, they gave him $70 million to finish his movie. And Zack Snyder said, I'm not going to take any money from this, but I want complete creative control. I want to make it as long as I want. I want to do what I want to do. And I don't want anybody to interfere. And they said, yeah. <laughs> so here we are. Over four years later from when this terrible tragedy happened to Zack Snyder. And now he's given the chance to not only go back and finish the movie he wanted, but he does no limitations. So when he was making the Justice League first, it still wouldn't have been the version that we got now. So the version we have now is four hours. The studio wanted him to do a minimum of the longest he could have done was two hours, two and a half hours. But they just, they let him do whatever he wants because, you know, you're watching this at home. And, and some people might be saying, like, so what? Why are you doing a podcast on this? Like, why are you going in so in-depth on this thing, this four-hour-long superhero movie? I mean... Partially because I think I'm I'm a big movie fan. I love superhero movies. I think I'm so into that. So that's partially it. But on the other hand, it's pretty fucking big. Like, if this is really successful, you don't know what cuts of your movies you're going to get. I can guarantee probably in your favorite film, there's stuff missing out that that the director originally wanted. Studios have such a creative interference with films. Producers will come in and studios head will come in and be like, we want it to be this, we want it to be that, we want it to be this. It's very rare that a studio just lets a director do their thing and make the movie that they want to make. 
like your favorite film, think of what your favorite film is now. There's probably a version of that that is more what the director wanted. So there's probably more of what you love about that film somewhere. So imagine like you can just get another chance to do that. It's huge. Like if this is successful, you don't know what future films you're going to get. You know, like they tried to redo it. They recently released a new version of The Godfather 3. Um, I haven't watched it yet. I haven't heard that much different. You know, there's a lot of like structural things have been changed. Some scenes added in that like weren't there. So I don't think it changes much of it. But I think The Godfather, is a good, the Godfather 3 is a good example. So... Imagine we got a version of that where the studio didn't interfere. They they didn't even want to make a third one. Like, you know what I mean? But the studio wanted it. And they wanted certain things. They wanted it to be like this. They wanted that. They wanted blah, 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 blah. But yeah, like, you know, the possibilities are quite endless, you know? You never know what version of a film you're going to get on these streaming services because they can do it now. They can do that. So I think it's amazing that through all the tragedy this fellow's been through, he got to come back and really just do a version that he wants to do. No holds barred, four hours epic of just pure him and what he thinks of these characters. Now, after all that, is it any good? So I sat down and I wanted to watch it as a whole, mainly because, you know, I was like, if I'm going to be doing this podcast on it today, I should watch all of it. And I liked it. Like, I really liked it. I thought it was really good. But is your average moviegoer going to sit down and watch four hours of it without being bored? I don't know. (laughs) I don't think so. I think if you're going to watch this film, you already know if you're going to watch it or not. It's four hours. And it's if you're going into this film and you're expecting a big like superhero thing from, from the go, it's not that. It's essentially the same film as the theoretical or the theatrical cut. Like, the story is pretty much the same. Um, Spoilers here. You know, I suggest going watching it. But if you don't really care, or if you've seen the original version, then no worries. But what still happens is, they try and build a team. It doesn't... They try and fight the bad alien. They can't. They bring Superman back from the dead. They defeat the bad alien. Um, And the Justice League is formed. Like, that's really basically it. The difference between this version and the other version is that this version is all the same tone. It's all coherent. And in this version, the characters are so much more like actual characters. So, 
I'd say out of the four hours of the movie, a whole hour is probably dead. If you combine it all together, it's probably dedicated to Ray Fisher cyborg character who probably had like a 20 minutes of screen time in the original one. Like he has a whole different story that like really makes him an actually fully rounded character. Um, he's a much more likable character. He's, he's not just like a side character that's just there. He isn't, it's been, that basically goes for all the character for all of the, um, actors roles everything in it the villain is more fleshed out the the flash you find so much more about him you find out batman's better superman every literally everybody is just everything makes sense so any plot holes that you had with the first one it's all answered in this even the villain gets a convincing backstory like you understand why he's doing it he's not just some random forget me villain um dark side he's like basically the thanos of the dc universe um he even gets an appearance in it so it's good like you know i really enjoyed it it's an vastly it's it's a much much fucking better version of the first film but also in saying all that, it's four hours. So, of course, you have much more about each character. He really takes his time, you know, with it. Um, like letting you know each character, why they do stuff, um, what their objective is. Every character has a good arc. Like, it's very good in that sense. Like, it's kind of pleasing as a screenwriting um, point of view is that... Every character has a beginning to end arc. And I mean, he breaks it up into six parts. Like he literally, it's like chapters. So he will literally have like part one, don't count on a Batman. Part two is like a different thing. So you don't have to watch all of this in one go in four hours. Like I think they did this knowing that people aren't going to watch this full four hours sitting down. So if you weren't super into it or super geek or super nerd, um, I feel like I can say that because I'm a super geek and a super nerd. I would definitely suggest sitting down and watching a kind of like a mini series TV show. Like, you know, sit down, watch like the first 40 minutes, which is, it'll say part one and watch that first 40 minutes one night. Um, it'll end, it'll go to part two and then pick that up the next night or whenever you else you want to go back it i would fully suggest watching it like that because if you break it up into like and think about like a little six part mini tv show limited series it's pretty fucking good um the battle scenes are brilliant like there's some really epic fight scenes here like really cool shit um he throws in some amazing special effects. Some some characters that aren't even in the first film are in this. So it is a different film. Now, I'm going to take that back. It's, it's the same film, but in the sense that... It's the same film in the sense that if you get a 12-year-old and then you get a 
adult animator and get them both to draw a horse. You know, both pictures are still pictures of a horse, but one of them has a lot more detail and looks a lot better and like gets the message across a lot clearer, you know, than the other. And that's the best analogy I can do it. Um, so it's the same, but it's just vastly, vastly superior. Um, should you watch it if you're not a superhero fan or uh, interested in any of this shit, fam? Um, I would say, yeah, give it a shot. Do what I um, said, do like the first part, the second part, the third part, like do it in segments. Because why not? Like, you know, it's it's pretty character driven. You don't need to know that much about other shit. It basically tells you everything you need to know. And like, you know, it's enjoyable. It's it's still a good flick. He adds in for anybody that's um specifically just a Batman and Joker fan, like this is a bit of a spoiler. Um, but at the end he has a scene with the Joker and Batman. Um Jared Leto's Joker who was much hated in Suicide Squad. People gave him shit over it. Like, you know, nobody was happy with it. But this scene, they have like a five-minute scene together where it's just the two of them talking. And it's one of the best um, live action or just best cinematic interactions the Joker and the Batman have ever had. The dialogue is literally perfect. Jared Leto does a brilliant job as the Joker. Like, completely redeems himself from past, from his past performances. And Ben Affleck is just a great Batman in it. It's even if you don't watch the film and you're just a Batman fan, you should just watch that scene on YouTube. Uh, Like, you know, it's, it's brilliant. So yeah, you know, that's basically it, really, on the Snyder Cut. What happens now? He ends it on a cliffhanger, so, you know, you don't know where it's going to go. Warner Brothers are still saying that Joss Whedon's Justice League is the is still part of their canon, is still part of their official universe. I don't know why they would do that. This one is much better. It's just like, it's a better version. You could just make this, that's canon. But it leaves up questions. Nobody knows what they're going to do. There's this new hashtag going on saying restore the Snyderverse. But they mean they, they want to restore it as canon for DC, which basically means that it's the official timeline of DC. So they could do that. Um, and I think... It'd be a smart move. But I don't know. I don't have any answers on it. Literally, I did not think when I first seen Restored, I released the Snyder Cut that it would ever happen. I'd be like, oh yeah, it's just going to be like this mythical unicorn thing. Like there's like, there's dozens of films that like have their director's cut versions that like people are like, oh, we had these ideas and they just never came forward. And people are always like, oh, that's amazing. That's such a good idea. I wish we seen that. Um, so there's lots of these 
versions of films that you love out that you'll never see. And I just thought that was going to be that. But, you know, here we are, proofing the pudding five years later. We got it. Or four years later, and we got it. I am very happy for Zack Snyder, you know, just as like an artist, the idea of just getting to go back and fully create what you want and do whatever you want with stuff you love is amazing. And also, you know, his family has been through so much. So they deserve it, you know. Warner Brothers were not nice people to them through a time that a very intense hardship for his entire family. He has a lovely little message at the end, which has just says for Autumn, who was his daughter. So, you know, I'm glad maybe it was, it was a therapeutic thing for him. And I'm glad they got that. But yeah, I think we'll finish it up there, folks. If you're stuck in listening, thanks so much. It was a bit of a ramble. Um, we didn't have much of a structure planned. I just, put them plugged the mic in and thought I'd go for it so I hope you enjoyed it I hope it has informed you of the Snyder Cut um, if you're interested in keeping up with any of this stuff you can just head on over to Twitter or Google you want to keep informed about the Joss Whedon stuff that's going on just Google Joss Whedon or tweet check out on Twitter I'm sure this won't be the last time we've heard of Zack Snyder's Justice League because I think Restored Snyder Cut is going to be a big thing now. So who knows? Maybe in another three years, I'll be doing a podcast about the Justice Zack Snyder's Justice League too. But, you know, you never know what could happen. You never know. Anyway, um, thanks for listening in, folks. Next week, I promise we have a great guest. We're going to have Dara on to talk about Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. So, yeah, looking forward to that. And thanks for listening, as per usual. Head on over to our Instagram, Phil and Friday Podcast. Give us a like, share. And, yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.